Well, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Psalm 119. I'm going to also have this attendance sheet going around. We'd appreciate you putting your name on there for us. So we're at Psalm 119, 145. I've got it on the screen as well. Although we'll judge you if you have to look at the screen because you didn't bring your Bible. Psalm 145, or sorry, 119, 145. I called with all of my heart, answer me, O Yahweh. I will observe your statutes. I called to you, save me, and I shall keep your testimonies. I eagerly greet the dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes eagerly greet the night watches that I may muse on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. O Yahweh, revive me according to your judgments. Near are those who pursue wickedness. They are far from your law. Near are you, O Yahweh, and all your commandments are truth. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Father, we do want to commit this morning, this day to you. We thank you, Father, for waking us up, bringing us here. Lord, we give you thanks for the opportunity that you've provided uh, to fellowship uh, amongst brothers, uh, to start our day uh, this way. And Lord, we pray certainly that it would be profitable, uh, Lord, as we seek to refine one another, sharpen one another, uh, Lord, according to, to your word and the high and holy standard that you've given to us. Uh, Father, show us Christ this morning. Remind us of what this life is about, uh, of why you've saved us and called us. Uh, and Lord, help us to leave with a, a more uh, sincere commitment to, to you and your word. Father, we pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, well, if you would, on your uh, handout, Grace and Granite book, we're going to be starting a new section here, Series 3, which is on philosophy of ministry. Uh, kind of an outworking of how we have arranged ministry in the church or how we should arrange ministry in the church according to God's uh, Word. And we are on study one, how we should do ministry. This is page 46. So as he often does, he begins in Ephesians. Because um, I'm finding that, I mean, Ephesians is the best book, right? So Ephesians 4. Chapter 4, verses 12 through 16 is where we're going to root it. But actually, I think he wrote it down wrong. Let me, let's start in verse 11 through 16. Uh, this is going to be the prerequisites for understanding faithful ministry. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And we remember that this giving is a result of his death, resurrection, and ascension, now having given his gifts. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we obtain the unity of faith and the full knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, so that we are no longer to be children tossed here and there, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of man, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, being joined and held together by what every joint supplies, 
according to the properly measured working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So, of course, he's using this verse because it gives us a very clear blueprint um, of how we should be viewing ministry, of how leadership in the church should be seeking to steer things in view ministry. And I think we can root it in this simple fact of verse 11 and 12, one, that Christ is the one that sets this thing up. Uh, He's the one that gives the gifts necessary. He's the one that gives each individual member. And so ultimately, he's at the head of it all. And having given those things, he requires us to steward them faithfully and properly uh, according to, to God's word. So in other words, he didn't give apostles and prophets uh, so that Benny Hinn could drive around in his car and tell everyone to give him money. Um, you know, it's not that kind of thing. Uh, it's for the equipping of the saints. And also, he didn't give or gift apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists so that they would do all of the work of the ministry. That he equipped them or gave them these gifts so that they might, according to the Word of God, equip others to do the work of the ministry. Um, basically, to, to help the body of Christ to, to reach their full Christ-like uh, potential. Um, and so, in that way, as they are faithful, they're helping others uh, to be faithful. Um, and so I believe that's why he kind of grounds it in this, and, and I'm sure we'll go back to some of these verses here in a little bit. Of course, you see the, the main goal um, being Christ-likeness. Uh, we know as our kind of mission statement that we have here, Colossians uh, 1.28 also kind of defines it in this way. Him that is Christ we proclaim, admonishing every man and teaching every man. So there's a a negative aspect, warning, positive aspect, teaching, training, every man, regardless man, woman, um, with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And that's essentially what he's saying as well in Ephesians. Um, In 2 Timothy 2.2, another verse that I think is key that as men we have to just keep in mind in each ministry, why are we here? What are we doing? If we don't remember this, then quickly the whole thing begins to fade. And the things which you have heard from me, Paul says, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, again, it's just this idea that we're constantly looking to equip the saints. We want to find someone to pass this on to so that they might continue to do the work of ministry so that others may be equipped to do the work of ministry This isn't about us. This isn't a one-man show. We are just seeking to be faithful according to what Christ has called us to do. And so those are some of the prerequisites for understanding what a faithful ministry is. And so in in each ministry that you're a part of, that I'm a part of, these are the kinds of things that we want to be asking. Is this happening? Are, Are people being equipped, built up, being made more like Christ so that the work of the ministry uh, it can be done. He says, as you kind of go down your outline here on letter A, that there are some principles uh, that govern ministry. We've just gone over some of them. He says they don't change based upon the culture. Uh, and that's key. What we're talking about is the exact 
same thing that Paul was doing 2,000 years ago. And if the Lord doesn't come back, it will be the exact same thing that the faithful church will do 2,000 years from now. Uh, this is not built upon the sand. This is built upon the rock. Um, and so, in other words, we don't adapt just because the culture uh, changes. The culture is going to change because they are rooted in sand uh, and their own humanistic worldviews, their own mind. But we remain faithful to what God has uh, revealed. He says benign cultural elements can and should change. And again, because their standard is themselves, their desires are, are constantly changing, growing in different ways, uh, depraved. Ours are rooted in the Lord and His Word. Applications of the principles will depend, he says, somewhat on the culture. Uh, I, I don't think he means that we follow the culture, but where the Bible is being attacked, but we will respond to that. And so if the culture is talking about racism, well, we may respond, well, let's talk, let's center the discussion in partiality. Um, this isn't a matter of, you know, we're just focusing on one group or the other. Actually, God is impartial all the way across uh, the board. And as we start applying God's standard, we actually begin to see, oh, we're much more sinful uh, than we think. And there's a reality uh, here, or if the culture is talking about equity or equality. Well, they're not hitting it right. And so we need to apply God's standards to those things. Feminism, LGBTQ, whatever it may be, abortion. Now, these kinds of things we, we talk about, we address. It doesn't mean that that becomes the main thing. That's all we talk about. You know, we're, again, centered on the Word of God. We're expositionally going through, and whatever God says, that's what we say. Um, but certainly we have a responsibility to speak truth into our culture and to remain committed in that way. He goes on to say God has designed ministry, and I think this is something we all have to understand, to be long-term. To be long-term. Everybody turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here, Paul just gives us a little bit of a description of his ministry. And starting in, let's start in verse 3. He says, Giving no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited. He's talking about his but in everything, commending ourselves as ministers of God, in much perseverance, in affliction, in distresses, in hardships, in beatings, in imprisonments, in disturbances, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in uh, unhypocritical love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and yet behold we live, as punished and yet not put to death, as sorrowful but always rejoicing, as poor but making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things." He says, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. This 
passage, if you just look at each one of these things, what's behind it, it's a lot of endurance, a lot of patience uh, with people. Uh, as he's being beaten, uh, I mean, of course, the temptation in his mind is that I could just give in, that all this would stop as he's laying there in prison. Uh, there's a way out. As he's experiencing a sleepless night, well, there's ministry to do. That's why there's a sleepless night. Maybe some of you had sleepless nights. You could have slept in more this morning, right? Um, there's a choice that is made, but as a steward, as someone remaining faithful, you're going to make decisions sometimes and have to do some things that aren't comfortable. And you understand that ministry is hard. It's long-term. It's not always a short-term gratifying kind of thing. Um, but our eyes are on things above. And we know in the end, uh, God will, will reward uh, as He has promised. And so, what do we do? It's the phrase I like to use, hands to the plow. Hands to the plow. We don't look back. We don't look to the right or left. I'm not looking to see how this guy is plowing. I'm, this is what the Lord has given me to do. I'm going to plow and seek to plow as, as straight as I can. And that's going to require a lot of work uh, that we need to be committed to, as well as much uh, faith. He says ministry is cyclical. I, I think what he means by that is sometimes you're going to have high highs, and it's going to be great, and, and look at all this that the Lord is blessing, and, and all the fruit and joy, and, and you look out, and then, uh, what greater joy is there to see that my children are walking in truth and all of this? And then uh, the next thing you know, you, it may be the lowest low. Uh, and someone may walk away or there may be a tough counseling situation and you're just banging your head uh, against the, the door or hopefully not against the person, you know, but it's tough. Ministry can be extremely tough. And I think Paul, even in this passage, tells us why. He says in 2 Corinthians 6.11, that I just read, Our mouth is spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. He's basically given his heart over to people. And you know this from when you were in middle school and high school and you, and you dated. You give your heart to someone, it could be broken. You maybe shouldn't have done it. One well, ministry, in this case, we should. This is our call to give our very heart over. And sometimes that may be trampled on. Uh, sometimes it may not produce the results that you want. Um, and so there are highs and lows to, to ministry, and we have to understand that. Regardless, we keep our hand to the plow, we keep going. And then he says, ministry results are entirely out of our hands. This is one of those things. That God's the one that causes uh, the growth. Uh, you're in 2 Corinthians, start with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Look at verse 6. Paul says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. But each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid the foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful 
how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Well, we're throwing seeds. God's the one that's causing the growth. And as you throw seeds out, you may not ever see the growth. He may move you on. He may move them on. And and later some other guy gets to come in and throw the water that actually causes the growth and and sees it. God's sovereign in in all of those things. He doesn't promise us that we would see the growth. He, He just tells us to remain faithful uh, knowing that his word's not going to return void, uh, he's going to see fit to make sure that it causes the growth that he desires. And so we just continue to seek to be faithful to whatever the Lord has put before us and whatever he has given us. Uh, this means we shouldn't try to manipulate things to cause growth. We just simply need to remain uh, faithful to what he's given. Uh, so it's quality over quantity. We're not looking to manufacture results. Uh, we desire and we're prayerful that the Lord would do His work in His time. All right, that's point one. Point two, I've got to keep moving here. Idolatries that drive an unbiblical philosophy um, of ministry. And, and so, I mean, I think this is a good question that he's basically posing because as we uh, look out over the church landscape, obviously there's a lot of churches that have a different philosophy of ministry than us. And so the question is, how did they get there? Why did they get there? Why are there churches out there that are unfaithful? Um, and so he's got some reasons for that. And so the first reason he would just say is, is cultural influence. Uh, these are churches uh, that have what he calls an approval of man or a fear of man. Uh, and, and I think at the end of the day, what it comes to is these people want to be accepted. They want to be liked. They want to have a seat at the table with the experts. Um, and you can see it in the way they, they follow things. And so, you know what? I mean, if you open up your Bible and you go to Genesis 1, um, listen to Ken Ham, I mean, it's pretty clear, right? Uh, God has spoken, there was day, there was night, you know, and it's just one day, two days, three days. It, it's clear how God created. So how do we get somewhere else? Well, you've got some experts out there. Or you've got the entire culture saying something else. Well, it seems wise. It seems smart. We want to be accepted. They've got all these degrees, and so there must be something to it. And so essentially what wins out is we desire an approval of man, we fear man, and so we forget God has made us foolish. He's called the weak in order to shame the wise. If you just stick to the plan, that's exactly what God has said. And so we can't be swayed by the experts uh, in any way. Um, so I think that's one kind of temptation. And another temptation, as you just look out within the church landscape, would just be the temptation to be cool. You just want to be liked. I mean, and these are basically like the same kind of things that tempted us in middle school, um, but that's what's going on. Now, you have pastors up there, and, and the thing that everybody's wanting to know about is what kind of shoes is he wearing. Uh, things have gone off. Uh, and nobody's asking that with me. They're asking, why are you still wearing the same shoes you wore eight years ago? Um, and so that, that can't be the main thing. Uh, that's not the thing at all. Uh, the, that would be what Solomon calls vanity. And, and so we can't make that uh, the thing. Um, he also points out that there is a desire to remove the offense. To remove the offense of the gospel. The gospel is offensive. 
Uh, it's exclusive. It's narrow. Um, it points out that we are so sinful that the only way we can be saved is by the Son of God coming and bearing the wrath of God on our behalf, um, a full covering. There's no way around that. We can't make ourselves better. Uh, inwardly, we're depraved. Our thoughts are evil continuously. All, and so all of that is offensive. It's offensive also when you think about someone giving their entire life over to something, and then you have the Bible saying, you're wrong. You're wrong. You think about why is it so difficult for someone who's involved in a, a transgender kind of lifestyle to repent. They've given their entire life over to that. I mean, they've put all their eggs in that basket. And the only way they can get saved is all the eggs have to be crushed. You're completely wrong. You have to be completely humbled. And the reality is no matter what lifestyle you have, that's the entrance. And so there is a great temptation to lessen that or to say, well, that's okay. God can, can still accept you or whatever it is. And then you just open the doors. And in comes all sorts of things. So we have to remain faithful to the message regardless of the consequences. <clears throat> we have to view success in the Lord's eyes. Um, we are not successful. The Lord is successful. He's the one that brings the growth. He's sovereign over how big things are or aren't. And at the end of the day, our pursuit is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So listen, we're going to go ahead and, and go to small groups, our discussion tables. We're out of ta time here. And so let me pray for us, and we'll do that. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us. And, Father, we do pray that each of the men would have a discussion that is profitable. Father, we thank you for the blueprint that you've given us in ministry. Help us to remain faithful to it. We pray in your name. Amen.